0: Cassette with Naomi Christie, episode one, side B, mixtape. Last year I was chatting with my good friend Sinead and said, wouldn't it be brilliant if there was a radio show that played people's old mixtapes? And today I'm lucky enough to have Sinead in the studio to do just that. We've also kept Scott and Michael from the band Chips from the Poor in the studio, as well as Will from Tape Club Records. I'm just going to throw this open to all of you here. What is it that you think is special about the mixtape?
1: For me personally, I'd say it's kind of family memories. So my earliest memory of a tape at all is of some tapes that my elder brothers and sister made for me when I was about two or three years old. And they were away at university or boarding school or wherever, and they recorded... Uh, stories they were, would be telling me, so things like Winnie the Pooh and Beatrix Potter and stuff like that, and they made their own little mixtapes, so when they were away, it was as if they were there reading me stories. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant.
0: Uh, I mean, I know this, but the listener doesn't. Are your brothers and sisters quite a lot older than you? They are quite a lot older than me. (laughs) Okay, so it's their way of staying in touch when they were having life elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were hardly going to phone me up and talk to me, and there was no Skype in those days, but being able to hear their voices was quite nice. And similarly, I suppose, because they had moved out by the time I was starting to listen to music, I had all their old vinyl and I had, you know, the sort of the leftovers of all the stuff that they used to listen to from decades back as well as all my parents' old stuff.
0: Yeah, okay, brilliant. Yeah.
1: What about sort of music mixtapes?
0: Uh, what do you um what do you remember <laughs>
1: Uh, One thing I remember is rediscovering my parents' old mixtapes. So they used to live out in Nigeria, and so they couldn't get great access to new vinyl or new um, music. So whenever someone came home on leave, they would bring back a load of vinyl, and then everyone else would start pirating their own mixtapes for their own sort of Christmas parties, birthday parties. So I found a box of these, and there'd be things like... Boney M and 70s stuff and uh, my father, I think the first vinyl he ever bought was uh, the Beach Boys and there are all these sort of decayed tapes with, you could look on the side of them and see that it said WH Smith with the really old kind of 3D logo and it, the tapes would say manufactured in East Germany. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Will, w- were there any cassettes in particular that influenced your decision to, um, to release things on cassette?
2: Yeah, well, uh, playing into the nostalgic thing, I guess I used to go on long road trips with my parents. Um, we grew up; I grew up in Wales, uh, so I used to go back visit my parents a lot, uh, my grandparents, and they would always have mixtapes on in the car, and a lot of Motown and early stuff like that.
0: Okay, and I think we're lucky enough to have one of these cassettes uh, of yours. Is this originally from from those car journeys that you used to take?
2: This isn't. I bought this one when I was at uni, but Uh, (laughs) because I saw it and I thought these are a lot of these tracks are ones that we used to listen to on the tapes when we drove up there. So
0: yeah. Okay, so we're going to listen to um, "Heard It Through the Grapevine" by Marvin Gaye on um, on a cassette tape right now. you've got a track listing from one of the cassettes
1: that you used to have uh let me let me i've got some some pictures i took of them um let's see if i can find some some relevant ones we're now suffering with with with, uh, with new technology of the iphone <laughs> <laughs> well you see i was um over my parents at christmas but i didn't bring any tapes back because i don't have a cassette deck at the moment (laughs) and I can't really see myself buying one because they take up so much space but I was I was looking through and I was taking pictures of them just because they um I remember it being a great way of sort of killing time and the sort of Microsoft publisher wizard in the mid 90s where you could go on and make your own inserts for your own cassette decks and I had some um pictures of uh, lovely silhouetted dancing people for some nice jazzy mixes for my parents. I had one with, a, one with a sax. This was the kind of thing that my mother would allow me to play in the car because it didn't have anything that was, you know, too racy. So this had something like you know, uh, fever, mad about the boy, unforgettable, lots of, you know, standard sort of jazz standards, a bit of Ella Fitzgerald. Okay so this is quite interesting so
0: you 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 were making mixtapes with music that was well before I'm guessing well before <laughs> the time that you uh, Oh definitely um, oh, because okay.
1: I didn't have any like the pocket money to go out and buy CDs so I would just spend hours going through what we already had so oh, okay. there'd be things like there'd be mixes of 60s and 70s stuff um, vinyl particularly that my parents would have had and there's a particular favorite of mine was um though I think two, it was a sort of double double album and it had things like the Hippie Hippie Shake, it had um, oh, I really liked um, Shirley Ellis' The Clapping Song
3: crossing with your left
1: Uh, things like oh, it's got the it's got the leader of the pack. It's got <laughs> it's got a lot of um, real sort of classics that you would remember that you can put on at a party and all people from many generations will dance. So you've got things like uh, the swinging blue jeans, who I believe my parents liked when they were around in Liverpool in the kind of you know 50s, 60s. And all sorts of, you know, I've recently realised that Spotify is perhaps not the greatest thing in the world because it allows my mother to listen to Lonnie Donegan all over again and her (laughs) skiffle favourites of the past.
4: Lonnie Donegan's great.
1: (laughs) Rock Island Line over and over again this Christmas. It was amazing. Uh, Should we play one of these
0: tracks from your mixtape then? I've I've found Hippie Hippie Shake" by The Swinging Blue Jeans, is it? Yeah, yeah. I've I've found that on YouTube. So um, what do you remember of mixtapes? I mean, do you still listen to your mixtapes from the past?
4: I used to make them obsessively. uh, With a C90 cassette, uh, you could actually get 47 minutes on each side, I found. They'd give you a little bit of extra tape. So I'd obsessively make them so they'd finish exactly as the leader ran out. You know, and you'd do silly things like have a cassette with fifty songs on it, but side one it was all extremely long tracks so you 'd only got you know two songs, three songs on that side, and the rest side two was all like one minute long songs you know making tapes for friends make it you had a bit more of a structure, I think you know because you 're working within the forty seven minutes you 'd kind of start off with a good one go in a little you know and end on a go out on a bang you know whereas I suppose with an iTunes playlist you kind of pull them in. You know, I suppose there's people. There's probably an art to that, but there was certainly a, you know an art to making a mixtape. You know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you, Do you think that we've lost something by not having that restriction in?
2: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think so. Um, when we were talking about cars earlier, I can't remember if that was on or off, but we were talking about having tapes in the car. And I, when I passed my driving test when I was seventeen, so that must have been early two thousands. I had, I thought, right. This is the only way I can really play music in my car easily. So I, I also knew that the tapes would linger in the cassette deck for quite a while. So when I was putting together these couple of tapes that I knew I'd be listening to for months on end, I was very, you know, it was like it was a weekend job to think, oh, do I really want that one, or you know, has this got as much long-term value as this track? And and that's an incredible way to think about music, especially compared to now, because. It, I don't think about whether I like it or will like it in two months i just I'll just listen to it, and I know it's right there if I need it again, ever, but, but yeah, it kind of taps into another another sense th- of creation yeah. so. I think
4: it's a different thing you know I mean I think if you've got an iPod and you're kind of skipping through, you actually listening to tracks that you wouldn't have thought about playing, so I think there's certainly there's a really good thing about you know having a lot of music that's portable at the same time, but you know I think it's just a, it's a different different way of doing it you know it's almost like creating your own albums you know about sequencing and what follows this track and what follows that track and you make it if you make a cassette for your friend and it's something quite personal that you're giving someone you know and it's uh, that's that's quite a nice thing but times change i think it's uh, different now that's all yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, de-
5: there's definitely like an effort made isn't there if you make if your pals shakes your hand and then you look back in your palm and there's a cassette in there and he's gone i think you'll like these songs and he disappears into the night. Um, <laughs> I have a... My friend, Supreme Bagel and Craftsman, made me a tape when I was at school uh, with loads of... I can't even mention their names because they're all horrible named bands. I have that on my side uh, in my bedroom, so when I wake up, I can always think of him.
6: Mm.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, you've, you've very kindly brought in a mixtape. I was thinking maybe I, I might just play the beginning of this mixtape.
2: Oh, God, OK, that's... <laughs> it's like. Mixtape roulette because I can't. What's yeah? Okay. Um, let's do the it. the
0: fir, the fir, well yeah. Let, let's ju- let's just do it. Let's yeah, just do it because I can't.
2: I can't remember what is the first track. So it'd be interesting.
0: Let Let's find out. Let's see if it dredges up any uh, memories.
5: In Oklahoma
6: we say howdy, Howdy. in Oklahoma we say howdy, Howdy. so when you meet your friend on the street, you'll say howdy. howdy if you're thinking on your feet. It's a mighty fine way to share your day with a fellow human being.
0: Um, so what 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 was what was that opening track there?
2: uh yeah that was the howdy song I okay. guess that was my me saying hello to the listeners of the tape
0: that, that's great so we've got a little little bit of you know cassette curation there
2: yeah maybe that's it that was what you had to do like you say there's a theme and when you go about sticking it together, you plan it out It's a journey from start to finish so that was my slightly saccharine. Welcome to the tracks, I guess.
0: We've got um, some something playing. Uh, is this Soul Position, Hand Me Downs playing at yeah. the moment?
2: <laughs> Sorry, I haven't heard, that's a track I haven't heard for years. Do, do you have great. a rough
0: idea when, when you've last listened to this tape, actually?
2: Probably a week after I made it. I think I made it for a house party we had. I think we said, because back with the label, we used to do these things called Tape Club in the Kitchen, where we'd invite... Hundreds, of, well, not hundreds, well, we'd probably invite hundreds, but 50 or so people would turn up and we'd do gigs in the kitchen. And I think one time we said, let's do tapes and everyone bring mixtapes and we'll put them on one after the other and it's your chance to be the DJ without actually having to be in isolation all night. Go through the misery
5: of having to select the records. My old landlord, Paul, used to DJ in the... Well, DJ in the 60s or whatever, but he said what he used to do... Cos he knew DJing was... Uh, about impressing girls what he'd do is make the mix on tape and then just stand behind a box with the tape player playing I don't know anyway it seemed to work he showed me the photographic evidence of the women he met that during the 60s so yeah I guess that's one way
0: Sinead, a woman's view on this? Would you be
1: convinced by that? I I can't say I've
0: ever done that myself. You've you've
1: never fallen for
0: a guy standing behind a box playing a tape.
1: Well, I I guess they are usually too busy to engage in meaningful conversations, so I I guess it's a good tactic if you want to actually be able to, you know, use your best chat-up lines at the same time as not messing up the mix.
4: (laughs) I used to to, to do something similar. When I first started playing live, I used to um, play live with all my backing tracks on cassette. I used to go on stage with my original four-track recordings and, you know, play play keyboards or guitar over the top of it. Yeah, that was, uh, anyway, there you go, another live situation of cassette.
0: I'm going to now play uh, a little uh, track from Cassette Boy, who we've been hearing from throughout the f- throughout the show, and that will sort of queue up my next item on copyright law.
7: That means big trouble if you use this material.
1: Oh, they're in trouble now
6: in trouble with the law. So I want to sue him. See you in court.
0: Format shifting for private use, while illegal, is largely tolerated in practice. People have been doing it for years. Think of copying gramophone records onto blank audio cassettes, for example. The Government's Intellectual Property Office has been consulting on how a limited exemption for private formatting, format shift might be accommodated. That was from a page on copyright law at www.parliament.uk. I have to say, when I was looking for laws on cassettes, I found it very difficult to find any because it seems that now the law is so heavily focused on file transfers now. Will, do you know at all how the law applies to cassettes these days? How, how safe are people to make their mixtapes?
2: Legally, no.
0: no. Uh, is this something that you've had to encounter at all? I mean, getting people's bands on, onto cassette, do you have to sort of be aware of copyright law? Do you have to discuss that with them?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I guess that follows the same regimen as standard releases across all formats. But I think both within the industry and beyond, I think there's a slight well, probably a total softening of rules on cassettes just because I don't think people take it seriously enough to worry about the content that's going on cassettes. So, for example, I'm thinking of doing some this year for Record Store Day, and the basis upon which we do that would not would be to have no contracts, essentially no discussion of, of the copyright ownership set. We'll split the profits, and it will all be verbal agreements that everyone's happy with. And... Yeah. I, from what I understand, that's what a lot of people that are involved in cassette releases get involved in. I suppose it depends on the scale.
0: Yeah, I was about to say things. I mean, people are looking at much larger scale now with people uh, downloading music from the internet. You know, you can download thousands and thousands of tracks, um, and you know, an hour and a half of music is small, small beer in, compar- in comparison. Um, yeah. In my search for any information on the law with regards to um, cassettes, I found uh, an article from June 85 uh, entitled Judge Rejects Amstrad Tape Deck Plea. This is from the Financial Times and was written by Raymond Snoddy. And here's a little excerpt from that article The marketing of high speed twin cassette stereo deck by Amstrad, the consumer electronics company amounted to inducement to infringe copyright, a High Court judge decided yesterday. The stereo deck, which permits tape-to-tape recording at twice the normal speed, would inevitably be used to copy pre-recorded cassettes. And, excitingly, Mr Alan Sugar, chairman of Amstrad, said last night that the company would appeal against the decision. What the judge has done is so anti-Amstrad that we would have no choice but to appeal, Mr Sugar said. Sorry, that was not an Alan Sugar impression. We have no intention of stopping selling the decks, Uh, so that that's exciting. There's obviously previously it's been a very hot topic, but these days not so
4: much. Have you heard the song back from back then? C30, C60, C90, Go by Bow Wow Wow. No, when that came out on cassette, that was uh, the band that Malcolm McLaren managed after the Sex Pistols, and when that came out on cassette, famously it came on a 90-minute cassette, so you could they they were basically trying to get people to to pirate music the band were like promoting that
0: this has sort of been the case ac- across the years that some bands are very pro-people sharing music and other bands have stood out against it and it's a, a bit of a, a divide in the mu- music industry.
1: There was a nice example of um, OK Go with their one of their more recent music videos where, of course, they a huge amount of their success was down to people seeing YouTube videos and once they got successful, one of their more recent videos, the record label wouldn't allow their... Uh, video to be shown so they were up in arms as were their fans and I think eventually got the decision reversed but it was just ridiculous that someone uh, would have such a a limited view of the the best way to promote music as to think that it's a good idea not to let people see videos
2: it'd be interesting to just pick up on this idea of uh, not necessarily copyright directly but sharing and what was tape-to-tape tape copying I guess when we were growing up and what is now ripping of tracks off YouTube and illegal downloading and passing things on i would be interesting mm-hmm. to hear the other guy's opinion but for me there's, there's circumstances where I'm totally fine for people to illegally download a thousand copies of, of one of my artist's tracks if that's going to mean that they're going to tell their friends about it and they're going to create a buzz for live shows and they're going to go out and see them and help spread the word even more so I, I don't see it as a threat now just as I don't think it did any harm back in the day when it was all cassettes I, know. I think that's, uh, that's that's
4: the kind of thing yeah. If, yeah there's a band I met recently called Comus who were like a, a 70s prog band and they were kind of forgotten until people started illegally downloading the album and then they came back but then on the other hand you know there's other people who struggling musicians don't get paid you know and it's quite difficult it's always been difficult i think for musicians to kind of get by on what they want to do it's 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 got you know swings and roundabouts
6: you know
5: yeah i'd definitely be happy for people to to steal as much as possible from from, from chips of the floor. <laughs> as long as I guess they didn't steal it and then just bury it in the garden, no one could hear it.
4: Literally, literally stealing our stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. burgliness.
5: Yeah. yeah, I'm out between the hours of half eight and six. <laughs> We're out right now. If you can get, yeah, we are out right now. If you can get through my front door. You're very welcome to anything you find.
0: Uh, this is coming to you pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm there waiting. The <laughs> yeah,
2: don't, don't take that tape on his sideboard. Yeah, because be then i be forget all, all about
5: my mate, and he's very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to nail that down now. Yeah. Which is another good thing about cassettes, you can nail them down. You can't nail down an MP3. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> a it's physical object cry. over... <laughs> over digital.
1: <laughs> I think that's actually quite a nice thing that in fact in a way piracy and you know duplicating and replicating and as many different formats as possible is one of the few kind of things that we can do to prevent music from disappearing in a sort of tangible form. So I, mean, I think a lot of people worry um, like someone was saying earlier about you know how long will this format last? How long will the data be good and not degrade? How long does a cassette last? And when people really care about their music, they want to find the format that will last longest and I think a lot of people don't think about digital files sort of eroding and degrading in the same way what happens to the musical equivalent of an old word document that now you can't open with a new version what about old um, digital formats and new digital formats and how do you if you really want to make sure that your music is safe for as long as possible where do you store it and how do you store it? This is a very interesting question, I'm hoping to get
0: some archaeologists in to talk about uh, cassettes (laughs) as material culture at some point and uh, discuss this one more. Well, we're probably going to have to wrap things up because we all have to go home. But thank you very much for coming to the studio today. I'll just briefly plug you all again. So we've got Will from Tape Club Records. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And we've got Scott and Michael uh, from Chips for the Poor. You can find their music in Rough Trade. Or in
5: someone's back garden. Robbed us. <laughs> Oxfam. <laughs> or Oxfam. <People laughs> returned yeah. okay. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, cheers.
0: <laughs> Thanks. And my mate Sinead, who has nothing to advertise, I don't think.
1: Thanks, Naomi. You can follow me on Twitter at SMC Doyle. <laughs> Very good. Uh, follow Sinead on Twitter. OK, thank you.
0: Cassette, Volume 1, End of Side B.